When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 30 of The Fourth Wall. I'm, of course, your host, Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from writers, directors, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find the rest of our amazing show catalog. We're talking shows like The Discourse, Be Real, and so much more. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. Yes, in episode 30, this is the first episode of The Fourth Wall of the new year, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be kicking it off with a bang. Today, we are talking with the director of all nine episodes of Marvel Studios' first foray into television, WandaVision, Matt Shackman. And not only is WandaVision the first television series to come out from Marvel Studios, but it is the first project in Phase 4 of the MCU, and it takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame and stars, obviously, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff and Paul Bettany as Vision as they attempt to live a normal life, only to find themselves traveling through the decades in various sitcom-esque scenarios. Needless to say, I think this one was a series that piqued the interest of many MCU and non-MCU fans just because of how different and original the concept sounded. And after seeing the first three episodes, I can assure you that it is a show unlike anything you've ever seen from Marvel Studios thus far. And the creativity and the originality and the boldness and the risk-taking really comes through. And much of that has to do with Matt Shackman's brilliant direction. And the thing about Shackman is he is no stranger to the world of television. He's actually directed some of the best and biggest episodes of Succession, Game of Thrones, Mad Men, so on and so forth. And he actually recently just earned an Emmy nomination for his work on The Great, which if you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend. Uh, Another really tonally diverse and creative series. And throughout this conversation, one thing became apparent to me, and it was that Matt Shackman loves tone. He loves playing with it. He loves being able to alter it. He loves being able to toy with it over the course of a scene. I think what's so great about that is it's perfectly in line with his desire to utilize the genre genre-blurring nature of the stage in combination with complex tonal material, and that's all there in WandaVision through and through. Something else that makes Shackman's direction of WandaVision really stand out is the way it lovingly recreates and pays tribute to classic sitcoms that inspired the series, including I Love Lucy, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Bewitched, and The Twilight Zone. And we talk about why that authenticity and the use of practical effects in a digital age was so important in nailing the feel 
of the show. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Listen, this was a really fun conversation about one of the more inventive comic book series I've really ever seen. And it was a real pleasure chatting with Matt. He was a super nice guy and just really easy to talk to. But enough from me. Let's get into this thing. Here is my conversation with WandaVision director Matt Shackman. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm I'm good. How's this uh, whole virtual junket been for you? Oh, it's been weird and fun. Yeah. Everything else. <laughs> right, of course. So yeah. I well, mean, get, getting to the end of the day now, I'm sure you've got to be kind of winded from that. No, I'm 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 good to go. You're good, good to, to go? go? Look all at right. all your posters, man. Look at all those amazing uh Bond posters. Wow. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm well, I'm I'm like a massive, I mean, obviously, but I'm I'm a massive Bond fan and so uh there's there's this artist uh, that I found on Etsy or whatever that he just he does all the bond posters in the style of like Japanese art and it's it's so so good yeah awesome yeah, yeah. but uh yeah getting right in right into this thing um you know something that I think is really fascinating about you is if you look at your work just across television in general I mean you've directed episodes of Game of Thrones Succession uh The Great which came out uh last year and actually uh, congratulations on your Emmy nomination for that that's oh thank you so cool um you you seem to have this uh appreciation for not defining your work or the work you enjoy by genre and i think that the mcu as a whole has been able to operate uh fluidly through you know a myriad of different genres and i'm curious you know did you see wandavision uh as the as the evolution of that sort of credo Absolutely. I'm such a huge fan of Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige and the amazing risk-taking, bold work that that they have done. And yeah, you look at Iron Man and then you look at Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, and they're constantly reinventing themselves and pushing the boundary. And that's admirable. Um, and it takes guts, you know, and um, WandaVision is just another in that sort of um, evolution, I think, um, where you yeah. uh, if you're not taking a risk, you shouldn't be doing it, you know? Um, and this is an exciting story, you know, at its, at its heart, it's about, the, about these two amazing characters and this love story. And we've had a, a great deal of fun sort of playing with style and genre and tone as a way to tell a better story. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, what is it about, because that's like a big thing for you in general is just you know, playing with tone, the, the, you know, what, what tone can do and how it can change in like the same scene or something like that. Um, I, I'm curious, like, what is it that like draws you to material uh, that is so, uh, you know, that, that it kind of like bounces all over the place, but never quite feels like it's, you know, not hitting the right tone it should be. Yeah, I love tone. I think tone is like one of the great mysteries. And I I sort of feel like I'm, you know, spending my whole life uh, trying to figure it out. You know, I love experimenting with it. Um, And I myself, I gravitate towards stories where the tone is not super clear. And, you know, I come from theater and I think, you know, Shakespeare's are sort of, you know, the god of the theater. And and he did this too. Like he started writing comedy of airs and, uh, you know, the history of Richard III. And, but by the time he was done, you know, his last few plays are The Tempest and Winter's Tale, which are these amazing combinations of genre. They're thrillers and comedies and history and tragedy all wrapped up into one. And I think that's what's happening in streaming right now too. You know, the, you mentioned The Great. The Great is 
hilarious and funny black comedy. It's also a horror film and it's about yeah. maybe the worst guy in the world and this poor girl trying to find her way through it. And I love stories like that because A, they're closer to life than anything else. No, no, you know, no life is really, life is not like a, you know, a courtroom drama on Law and Order or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it's fun to be able to play around and surprise, surprise yourself and surprise an audience. And there's something so interesting about sitcoms because like there is a level of, there's like a facade that sort of comes with it. The fact that, you know, you're watching something that doesn't really, you know, you're either, it's like one step away from being like a stage play or something like that. But yet there's something very intimate and lifelike about the characters. And I wonder if a lot of that sort of comes from the ability to feed off of a live audience. And when you were filming WandaVision, specifically the first episode with that live audience, was that something that sort of allowed you to uh, toy around with like different, you know, lines or different responses and reactions to see what played better? The live audience was such a huge part of the shows that we were inspired by. You know, I Love Lucy, Dick Van Dyke. One of the things that came out of that we had this lunch with Dick Van Dyke where I went with Kevin Feige and we had an amazing afternoon um, picking Dick Van Dyke's brain about his experience on the show. But one of the things we learned is that, you know, they rehearsed it, but then they did the show once in front of the audience. They didn't stop and go back. Mm -hmm. They didn't try different things. They didn't pre-tape the show and they didn't go on for pickups afterwards. So what you saw was basically a live stage play and it was filmed in front of an audience and that's what went on the air. And that's what has lasted all these mm -hmm. years as being one of the most amazing sort of timeless television shows. Um, and I think part of that is that they're all of that adrenaline, you know, you've worked it out, you've rehearsed it, but then you go out in front of an audience and there's real laughter and that energy, you just cannot fabricate that. Um, and you lose some of that if you go back and do the scene again. I've been to sitcom tapings of, you know, present day shows and it can become really tiring. And the MC is there being like, guys, laugh, pretend like you haven't seen this before, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and the Dick Van Dyke show didn't ask the audience to do that. They asked the audience to have a great time. And the audience in turn gave them the energy and the spark. And sometimes those laughs go on way longer than any laugh track ever would. And that's the joy of the, of the show because people are mm -hmm. genuinely tickled by what they're watching. So we, we used that and we wanted that. And I think we had great actors who were game to do that. You know, Paul yeah. Z, Catherine, Tiana, they're ready for that kind of um, experience and they really crushed it. Well, especially with uh, Paul and Elizabeth, because, you know, they're so experienced in multiple genres and uh, themselves. And, you know, given your experience, you know, tackling uh, multiple genres, the versatility, I have to imagine, allowed for uh, better experimentation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the number one rule of, of what I do. It's, you know, they talk about it, the rule of improv. Yes, and, you know, it's always about like, let's build this together. Let's try lots of different things. Um, there isn't run one way to do this right. So um, it's about experimentation, especially when, to go back to your question about tone, you know, it's about trying different things and about, you know, should we remember to be more grounded here? Should we go for more emotion here? Should we be sillier here? How silly can we be? You know, let's go as silly as we can go. And it requires everybody to just be fearless and brave and playful, which all of those actors are, and which ultimately yeah. what great acting is, is about remembering what it was like to be in the sandbox when you're a kid and just play and have a great time. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, you know, given the fact that 
you know, Paul and Elizabeth are veterans in with, with these characters in the MCU. They played them for for years, and they know them inside and out. Um, how did that level of comfort uh, comfortability uh, with Wanda and Vision affect some of the risk taking on set? Was it was it difficult to get them out of that comfort to to get them out of that comfort zone, um, or were they just did they know these characters so well enough that they'd be willing to go to the extreme uh, within reason? Oh, they're great. You know, they, they're they very happy to take a risk. They're as excited as the rest of us about how crazy the show is and how much fun the opportunities that we had. Um, they have great chemistry together. You know, they're amazing on screen together. And that is a testament to, you know, they've had very little screen time, actually, in all these Avengers movies. And yet we fully feel like we understand this relationship where they, they yeah. made us laugh. They're charming. We've cried with them in this, you know, she lost vision. It's a a real love story. And that's what powers our whole show is that love story. But, you know, you know, it's funny. I always I get these questions about like an actor knows their character and it's like, well, that character hasn't been in a 50s sitcom before or a 60s sitcom before or a 70s one, or, you know, it's like, you know, it's all about putting these characters in a whole new environment and in a whole new relationship. Um, And so that requires a lot of experimentation and discovery. And they were absolutely game for that. And we had the best time. Good. That's awesome. Well, speaking of the environment, um, there were a lot of instances in like the three episodes that we were allowed to watch where practical sets and moving props were, you know, used in lieu of uh, digital effects. And, um, you know, it could have easily been done with digital effects, but you would have been missing that tangibility. And so I'm curious for you, what, why was that authenticity and like utilizing like real plates or real bed frames and everything what, like moving together? Why was that so important for you? You know, I, Authenticity was key, and that lent itself to visual effects as well, the special effects of the time, putting things on rods and wires, because it also made the impact when we did go to something that was an MCU effect, and there are some of those in the first three episodes that you've seen, that tension, the contrast between those is important, and it's a part of the narrative. It's a part of, of, of talking about sort of what is sitcom world and what is something more, potentially. And so mm-hmm. that tension was important, but I just love the charming bewitched I dream of genie approach. And, you know, I was grateful that my special effects team led by Dan Sudik, who's this amazing vet who's done every giant Marvel movie who actually came up under the guys who did bewitched and I dream of genie. He was so excited to kind of go back to his roots and what he started with. And, and they did amazing stuff and man, that's hard and time to get that stuff right. Um, And they were great. And so was Lizzie at like holding poses and and doing quick changes and all that stuff that Elizabeth Montgomery made look so easy. It's hard. Yeah. Well, I have to imagine, oh, and that actually kind of goes into my next question, which is like when you were doing research and prep for like the behind the scenes stuff on how they made these effects work in the shows, what was like some of the more interesting uh, techniques or uh, tactics that you found? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went hunting around to try to talk to anyone and everyone we could talk to. And we did try for a while to reach out to anyone who had been on the special effects teams on Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. But before we spoke to Dan and realized that, oh, my gosh, we have this resource right here that our special effects coordinator actually knows this stuff inside and out. So Mm -hmm. he was a huge um, sort of resource for that. Dick Van Dyke was a, a great resource for figuring out how their live shows went. And then, you know, we went on a deep dive, uh, at looking at old prints of the shows because what did Bewitch actually look like? We saw it through, you know, reruns on TV and DVDs and who knows, cause those things have been probably, it's a print of a print of a print of a print of a print. Right, right. 
we wanted to go back and see what were these creators, these filmmakers trying to achieve visually back then. So we can recreate that too. So we looked at original prints of lots of different shows. Um, it was, it was a great deal of fun being a little bit of like an archeologist. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I have to imagine that that led to a lot of just like fun moments and whatnot. Uh, I do got to start wrapping up here. One final question and uh, forgive me, it is a bit heady, but I am working on like uh, a deep dive into this series and I thought it would be appropriate for me to uh, ask you this question. And I guess, you know, what immediately struck me about the show and what's so brilliant about it um, is how it uses the framework of classic sitcoms to parallel the idealized view of the American suburb. And it parallels that with Wanda's desire for like a normal life and the inability to address her grief uh, trauma and pain. And so, you know, the, the notion of idealizing the, the past escape, um, you know, from the trauma of today and stuff like that. And so I'm curious for you, why do you think Wanda are really, you know, so many of us feed ourselves this sort of beautiful lie to mask our pain and comfort instead of addressing it head on against our better judgment? Hmm. It's an interesting story. Um, a question, um, you know, Honestly, um, so much of your of your question is is um, is intriguing and interesting, and you know your assumptions about the about about Wanda and her story and sitcom are all great. I cannot confirm or deny them. Um, sure. I would hope people would watch the show and enjoy it and see because ultimately, you know, why are we in these worlds? Vision and Wanda are questioning that too. We're questioning that. Um, how does this all add up? It's all part of this bigger puzzle and this kind of beautiful little mystery that is ultimately really about their love story and and how does that all come together um, mm. is why I hope folks will watch the show and I'm looking forward to I like coming out week by week because it allows for so much um, thinking and and um, uh, you know ideas questions um, theories to come out which is cool yeah well yeah. interesting I, I look forward to you know obviously in covering the rest of the story and whatnot and hopefully I'm on to something there with the, uh, you know, what I'm trying to envision in my head. But listen, Matt, it's been a real pleasure uh, chatting with you. I absolutely love the series and I, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. Oh, thank you very much. It was great. And I love your posters. Thank you, man. No one. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite one. I'm telling you, man. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Rip okay, Sean Connery, know. man. Rest in peace, that guy. Oh, I know. <laughs> Well, there you have it, guys. That was my conversation with director Matt Shackman. Uh, seriously, the nicest guy. Also, gotta love the conversation about the Bond posters. Always great when that uh, sparks some kind of uh, conversation with the subject that I'm talking to. But uh, seriously, his work on WandaVision is, uh, is phenomenal. His work as a television director is exceptional. I mean, the episode of Game of Thrones that he directed, The Spoils of War, is one of the best in the entire series. I'm glad he's finally getting recognition for his work with the Emmy nomination for The Great, and uh, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. He's such an exciting talent who uh, brings such a fresh perspective to uh, television directing, or really just directing as a whole. His theatrical background, I think, has really served him well. WandaVision premieres this Friday, January 15th, and I can't recommend it enough. You will get the first two episodes, and then it will follow as a week-to-week -week, uh, sort of series. But again, guys... Don't miss it when it hits Disney+. Plus. It's um, one of my favorite things the MCU has put out thus far. But the most important thing is, guys, I want to hear from you all, and I want to know what 
MCU television series are you looking forward to most? Be sure to let us know your thoughts and opinions on that down in the comments section of wherever you're listening to this episode. Be sure, as always, to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network for more episodes of The Fourth Wall and the rest of our amazing show catalog over there. And if you want to go the extra step and you really want to make me happy and you want to make our day, it would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review as it greatly helps the show out and lets us know what you're all loving and what you want to see more of. I'll be back soon with another episode, another guest, all that good stuff. I don't have anything lined up at the moment, but you all know that when I get something lined up, I'll bring it to you and it'll be another great conversation. So thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you like me and you like what I have to say, you can always give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it. And I will catch you next time. Take care.